0: Let's pray. We give you thanks and praise to you, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and our God. Through song you have reminded us of who you are and what you have accomplished for us. We thank you, Lord, that you draw us together on a weekly basis to remind us because we're a people so easily forgetting who you are and what you've done for us. So thank you for drawing us in this place this morning to jog our memories and touch our heart once again with a glorious gospel. So Lord, we turn to your word where you have revealed yourself completely, all that you wanted us to know about who you are, but you are so much greater than what you've revealed to us so far that on that glorious day that we've just sung about, you've told us in scripture that when that day happens, we will see you face to face, just like you are, we'll understand far more than we understand now. And Lord, that day could be today. Help us, Lord, to watch and pray for that day, that we be ready. So thank you for your word as we turn it to it this morning, that you might speak to our hearts what we need to hear from your voice and your heart and your mind. Teach us, instruct us, guide us and direct us by your spirit through your word this morning. We thank you in Christ's name, amen. So how are we doing? I haven't been up here for quite a while, and so how are we doing? Without a doubt, we here in the Woodstock, and even considering peoples around the world, have experienced days not experienced before in our lives. These last two years have been something of a trip, has it not? At least it has for me, I don't know about you, but it's been a trip. A little tiny small virus has been affecting many lives these last couple of years. Even if you or I have not been sick with this virus, we all know family members and friends who have. So that virus has even affected our lives, even not being sick with it. So, after two years of all of this going on, Confusion, doubts, fears. One person saying one thing, another person saying just the opposite. And that happened early on. And I don't know about you, I stopped listening. I stopped listening to that confusing chatter out there. And God drove me back to the word, which speaks nothing but truth to us. Because you know, there's an element of our society, not just here in the United States, but around the world, who wants to deceive us. All they want to do is lie to us, give us false hopes in themselves. Our only hope is in the Lord. So he, early on, for me at least, drew me out of all this confusion around this virus and sickness. Now granted, I, I realize that people... Get sick, and people get severely sick, and some people even die. It's like, why should that be happening to us? Well, the Lord has allowed it. Do I understand that aspect of it? No. But when I read this book, God allowed wars and famines and pestilences to come on His people as it has on us today. So how are we doing? Are we anxious? Do we worry ourselves sick? This will be the effect of our heart attitude of gratitude. If we listen to all the chatter out there, instead of listening to God speak to us from this book, we will lose the whole heart attitude of gratitude to him, which we've been singing this morning, remembering who he is. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. We just celebrated the holiday of Thanksgiving. Were we able to truly give thanks to the one worthy to receive our gratitude? And this is a past message, sorry, something I preached a while ago but with Josh not letting me know until this morning exactly what was his condition I had to get ready quickly so here it is folks heart of thanksgiving how many times do you talk especially around this celebration of thanksgiving do you hear people say well I'm thankful for I'm thankful for I'm thankful for they never tell you to who they're thankful for There is a need to be thankful to somebody. Someone does you a kind favor, you're thankful to them, thank you. You know, we train our children up to say thankful, thank you when they receive something from us or friends or family members. Thank you, grandma, thank you, grandpa, thank you. Always goes to somebody. My thoughts turned to before this week, my thoughts turned to in Thanksgiving, the celebration of it to a time in our history when things weren't going well, kind of like today. And there was an individual who was in leadership who made a proclamation October 3rd, nineteen sixty or 1863, excuse me. President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, in the midst of civil war, I want to read this proclamation to you to to just realize that even though we're in the midst of a time of anxiety and worry that can fall on us, there's, there's still an attitude of gratitude that needs to take place. President writes this, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and helpful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and even soften the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. This is our president. In the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke aggressions, peace has been preserved with all nations, order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict while that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The ax has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines as well of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield. And the country, rejoicing in a consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years of large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It seemed to me to be fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. I recommend to them that while offering up the inscriptions justly due to him for singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferings, sufferers in a lamentable civil strife in which we are invariably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union in testimony whereof I have heretofore set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be fixed, done at the city of Washington this third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1,863, and of the independence of the United States, 88th Abraham Lincoln. The leader of the nation proclaimed this, in a season in our history that was, at that time, not known before. And here we are, in a season in our nation, not just here, but around the globe, that we've never experienced before, this generation hasn't experienced before. There's been elements of pestilence like this before, but we've never been through it until now. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? Well, I chose Psalm 100 because it's a psalm of thanksgiving. And in this song, this is a song, this was the Jew's songbook, the book of psalms. It is to be sung. So, thanksgiving. I went to Mr. Noah Webster, 1828 Dictionary. Definition of thanksgiving, the act of rendering thanks. Notice, the act, it's an action. It's not just something we think about doing. It's something we do. The act of rendering thanks, an expression of gratitude for favors or mercies received. Has not God given us favors and mercies? Another word for favor there is grace. His grace and mercy endureth forever. Jesus Christ came. He was made flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, and we saw his glory. John 1, 14. Gratitude is a sentiment of kindness or goodwill towards a benefactor. It's not just something we say, oh, I'm thankful for. Well, you might be thankful for something, but where did that something come from? Most of the stuff we have received good in our lives comes from outside of us. And the only one who is really good is God, and it's in this psalm. It's in this psalm. Read it again. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, Serve the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful singing. See, the scriptures are telling us we need to be singers. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. There's no self-made men. You hear that once, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. The Old Testament, what God had the Jews do, one of the the offerings they were to bring was a thank offering. It depicts worship by the presentation of songs of thanksgiving and praise that extols the mighty wonders of the Lord. As they were harvesting crops, they were giving thanks. As they were celebrating these other feasts, they were giving thanks to the Lord for who he is and what he has done for them and for us. Noah, when, he, when the ark finally landed after the water receded, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Burnt offerings in the Old Testament. Everything was consumed, but it's an act of worship. Worship. Noah worshipped after the flood. He worshipped the Lord. First Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. That's repeated here in Psalm one hundred. And any good student of the scriptures realizes that when God repeats something more than once in the scriptures, it's very important. Pay attention to it. So what is repeated here in 1 Chronicles 16? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's what we are to be doing all the time, not just Sunday morning for an hour. So out of this Psalm 100 I drew out five questions about the psalm who is to sing and who is the song to be sung to who what are we to be called to do? what are we called to do how are we to do it where are we to do it and why should we do it who what how where why So who is to sing and to who are we to sing to? Verse three, the people who God has made in the sheep of his pasture. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people in the sheep of his. He's speaking to those whom he has brought into his fold as sheep time and time again. The, the New Testament church described believers as sheep with a shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is speaking of not just about the Jews but also the Gentiles being enfolded into the, the, the whole flock of God's sheep. So that, who, that is who is described to be singing, those who have been redeemed. Does that speak of you this morning? Because this word speaks to us. It is God speaking to us, okay? So read it that way. Am I of the redeemed? Am I a sheep in God's fold? And who is this song sung to? Verse 1, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. This isn't a, a command for just the church. It is a command for all of God's creation. There is not a single person living on the face of this earth from time to end that God hasn't created. He has made us, not we ourselves. That is in one element in the physical realm. Did anybody cause themselves to be born physically? Any one of us? Said, oh yeah, I caused that. I did that. No, you didn't. Neither did I. It was God who did it. He conceived us in our mother's womb. So, we are to sing a song of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. The Lord himself is God, verse three. The one true and living God. There is no other God but him. Time and time again, the scriptures tell us that. But then you might think, well, Jeepers, over in India, They have cows walking around the streets because they think they are gods. Well, that in the scriptures is called idolatry. You and I can make gods. Chances are we have. And we bow down and worship them. We paid more attention to them than to God. That's idolatry. But God, out of his great mercy, because we are here worshiping him, out of our hearts, hopefully, he has changed us from worshiping idols to worshiping the one true and living God. Deuteronomy says, to to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God, there is no other besides him. Don't go chasing after another God. Someone, Someone come and say, well, I know this This guy over here, he's got something to say. We need to go listen to him. And you get over there, and all he's got to do is is say what he wants to say. He doesn't have any reference to God's word. They're out there. Actually, some of them are even standing in a pulpit like this, never opening the scriptures, but they got something to say. And people like them to come and say something because they like their ears tickled being deceived. So we are to sing this song of thanksgiving to the one true and living God, the God who has made us and given us life, not just physical life, but eternal life. So what are we called to do here? Shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout. Don't mumble. Don't mumble. By shouting, other people hear us. And what are we shouting? We're shouting to the Lord thanksgiving, praise, and honor, and glory to his name. It should be all in what we shout. We shouldn't just go out the front door and just yell at the top of our lungs. They do that out in Buffalo in the football stadium. But we are to shout to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth psalm 71 my lips shall greatly rejoice when i sing unto thee and my soul which thou hast redeemed does that speak of you your soul that has been redeemed therefore we will sing to you with great joy what are we called to do serve the lord with gladness verse 2 serve the lord with gladness another word for serve there is an element of worship and adoration. And we do it by the lives we live, serving Him in whatever area He's called us to serve. And how are we to serve? We are to serve with gladness, find great joy in doing it. If you're serving the Lord but not having great joy in doing it, chances are you're in the wrong place serving Him. You know, He's gifted each one of us to serve Him. And when you start to find what that gift is and you do it in serving him, there's great joy. I have great joy up here this morning to be able to proclaim God's word to you. I love to come here on a Sunday morning and to fellowship with you. It brings me great joy that we're here together worshiping God. We need to do it joyfully with great gladness. Deuteronomy says now Israel what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord with your God with your God with all your heart and with all your soul your whole being God owns us he's purchased us with the blood of his son we are not our own anymore he's made us new creatures in Christ to serve the one true and living God. And we are to come before him with joyful singing, verse 2. Psalm 95, Come, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. It's repeated over and over and over again what we are to be doing. So my question in the beginning, how are we doing? With all this mess going on around us, how are we doing? Do we take time every day to give him thanks and praise for the days blessed us with? I get up now because just turned 74. So as Alistair Bake says, I have more days behind me than I have ahead of me. And I'm one day closer to meeting Jesus face to face, to see him as he is. I think of that every morning I get up now. I'm one day closer. How about you? It sets the day for me that my focus and attention is on God. How are we to come? We come by what we know of God. Verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. Know. That word, I'm sure, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure it's a very intimate knowing. Like a husband knows his wife very intimately. That's the relationship God has with us as he's redeemed us and called us his own. You know the church is the bride of Christ, right? You've heard that in scripture? Well he's coming back as our husband to know us as his bride. We are to know the Lord himself. That he is God. We know it from this book and I hope and pray that last year the elders encouraged you to pick a a reading of the scriptures every day to follow through it every single day so again the question is how are we doing are we reading this every day not just a short devotion not just a couple verses and close the book and go on No, spend time with God. He wants to speak into our lives. We are to come, know that the Lord himself is God. Deuteronomy again, know therefore this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. So don't think that God is way up there. Yes, he is, but he's also way down here. He walks with us and he talks with us and he leads us on the way. That's how intimate he is with us. Verse 3 also says, He has made us and not ourselves. His we are, some scriptures use that. He has made us, conceived us, given us life, caused us to grow, provided for our physical growth and well being, but also, even in a greater sense, He has made us for himself, that we might be with him. John 14, when the disciples were so worried about what was going to happen to Jesus, because he had told them what was going to happen, more than once, he was going to be accused. He was going to hang on a tree and die and be buried, but three days later, he was going to rise again. Put yourself in the sandals of Peter what are you talking about? So they were, they were hurting in their hearts. They knew something was going to happen. And John 14, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me, because I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back. We, didn't we sing that, O oh, glorious day? He will come back. Why? To take us where he is. His whole heart's desires that we dwell with him forever and ever. And he's accomplished that by dying on Calvary's cross. Psalm 95, O come, it's an invitation. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Kneeling is acknowledging that he is greater and we are less, but not less in the sense that he doesn't care about us. We have to acknowledge that he is God, for he is our God, very personable. We are his possession. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. This is Psalm 95, what is the end of verse 3? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's been duplicated. So, consider what those words say. If they're duplicated, they're important. Understand what it's saying to us. Next, where are we to give thanks? The place of giving thanks, either in a public worship setting like this or in a quiet time in our home or driving our car or delivering mail. You realize I I spent a lot of time praying in the five and a half hours I was delivering mail on the streets of Casanova. And sometimes I would be so intent on praying and talking with God, I'd walk right by a delivery point. And I'd have to go back. But you can pray and give thanks to God anytime, anywhere. But here, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's speaking of in the, in, in the Jews' day, the temple. There was a court that they could come into, and there were gates that they would go through. Enter his gates. When they came in, they came in with great thanksgiving. Um... Some of the last messages I gave before retirement was the songs of ascent. Later on in the Psalms, after this psalm, the songs of ascent. And they were were songs sung as the Jews were coming from distant places into Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is on a mountain. So they were coming up, ascending into Jerusalem and going through these gates. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Come before Him. You realize because of what Jesus has accomplished on Calvary's cross, what happened after He died and gave up His Spirit. The veil in the temple that separated people from the Holy Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom. That is opening up to us an opportunity to come before Him. Enter in. It's an invitation. How are we doing? in his invitation to come to him. Let us therefore, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's what we come before is his throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you in need this morning? Come before the Holy One. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Pour out your heart to Him. He wants to hear from you. Why should we come? The whole reason to give thanks to God. Why? Verse 5. The first word is for. Another word for for. Because. This is the why. Verse 5. Because the Lord is good. Not only is He good, but back up in verse 3, the Lord is God. He deserves our thanksgiving. He deserves our worship. He deserves receiving honor and glory from us. He's high and lifted up. In heaven, revelation. It's a picture John gives us is revealed to him by God in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation 4, it's a, it's a chorus we used to sing. Okay, verse 11, quote, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and I like the authorized version, King James, thou hast created all things, for thy pleasure and because of thy will they existed and were created that's a song being sung before the throne of grace in heaven right now worthy are you O lord and our god to receive glory and honor and power for you did create all things and for in creating all things you created them for your pleasure and you know what pleases god when we come before him with thanksgiving on lips and from the heart he loves that he's created us for that for the lord is good psalm 34 8 oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man that trusts in him how we doing how we doing His loving kindness and mercy is everlasting, verse five. His loving kindness, or it could be his mercy is everlasting. We know the difference between grace and mercy, right? Grace and mercy, they're not the same because sometimes they're in the same verse, grace and mercy. The only way I can remember the difference between grace and mercy is I look at the cross. Grace is the vertical pin of the cross. Grace is God's unmerited favor that we don't deserve that He just pours out on us. That's His grace. An acronym is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. What's mercy? Well, mercy finishes off the cross. It's the horizontal. He holds back judgment on us. You realize, as sinners, He could have judged us the moment we were conceived. We were conceived in sin, the Bible tells us. Sin is nothing more than a rebellion against God. He could have snuffed us out right there. But he's shown us mercy. Shown us mercy. He poured out his wrath on our sin on his son at Calvary. He's paid our sin debt in full. Should we not be thankful and praise his holy name? Psalm 118, 14, the Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. Not only the why, because he is God, his loving kindness is everlasting, but his faithfulness or truth is to all generations. It wasn't just to uh, when the psalmist wrote this, it wasn't just that season of life with the Jews. God does not change. He's immutable. There's no shadow of turning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, his faithfulness is to all generations. He just pours himself out into every generation. Deuteronomy 7, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So we should be thankful that he, in our generation, in our lifetime, he has shown us his truth and his faithfulness, his loving kindness and his mercy. And that's why we find ourselves in this building this morning, I hope. I hope we're not here just by rote. Well, this is something I do on Sunday morning. When I walk out the door, oh, I'm done with Sunday morning worship. Let's continue on. No. So this morning, God has spoken to us of the importance of thanksgiving. As we have read, the Holy Scriptures have much to say and teach us of the giving of thanks to the one true and living God, the God who has made us and given us life not just physical life, but eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Our God, our heavenly father, sent his only begotten son, Jesus, which we sang about this morning, which we are in, uh, uh, remembering as we go through these months and weeks in December of the coming of the incarnate Christ to be our Lord and Savior. Question, is that your testimony today? Can you give testimony that God has done something with you and in you that has changed you completely? Listen to a testimony last night. A person said, when I got saved, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, things changed almost immediately. I remember driving up from Harrisburg where I got saved, up Route 81, and he planted in my heart a desire to read the Bible, which I hadn't had before. He changes us. He changes us just by believing and trusting that God has done an amazing work through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He's granted us that gift of salvation. And He even gives us the seed of faith to believe it so that none of us can pat ourselves on the back and say, say to God, see what a great thing I did. I believed in you. No. He gifted you with faith to believe. So check yourselves. Is this what my testimony says? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then God's will for you in Christ Jesus is to give thanks to him in everything at all times. Everything in all times. Giving God thanks for all his benefits is good and right. Now you might say, well... I've been through some pretty hard times. And is God telling me to give him thanks for those hard times? Yes. James tells us that. He says, when you go through various trials and hardships in life, count it all joy, James writes. Count it all joy. Now, that's in the Bible, so it's the truth. What is God doing when he allows trials? He wants to bolster up our faith and trust in him that we would lean on him more and more. I've shared with you our daughter, Jessie, lying in a, a sick bed at St. Joe's Hospital for 10 days with spinal meningitis. I was changed in those 10 days. Drastically changed. But it was a terrible trial. So, My question is, if you are still in doubt about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you to come to him by faith, repenting of your sins, confessing them before him, and ask him for forgiveness. Because it says, if we confess our faith, he is faithful and just to forgive us of of our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a cleansing process he's doing on each one of us because we ain't perfect yet. I hate to load that on you, but we ain't perfect yet. He's doing a work in us, and I'm thankful for that. And I've seen it in you guys. He's changed us as a congregation, but he's done it individually by changing each of us. So come to him if you haven't. Seek him. Confess your sins, repent of the direction you're going in. Repentance is a change of thinking. Well, I thought so little about God, I thought I was doing my own thing, and that's what I wanted to do. God changes our thinking when we repent and hear the truth of the gospel. So, if that's your case, do that today. Today is the day of salvation. You, don't have, no, you have no guarantee of tomorrow. And if he were to come today in your unsaved condition, you would be lost forever. That's the truth of the scriptures. So come to him today if you haven't. Seek his face, turn from your wicked ways and acknowledge him as your savior and Lord. Let's pray.